This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Happy 4th of July week, everybody. You know, this week, as we celebrate Independence Day, I kind of wanted to take a moment to talk about one of the founding principles, quite frankly, of this podcast, but um, of this country. Freedom. Freedom of expression, freedom of the press, which I'm personally partial to, of course, and freedom to pursue the American dream of success. And I did not know this, but My producer, Julia McGonigal, pointed out that there's actually a definition in the Oxford Languages Dictionary of the American Dream, and it goes as follows, quote, the ideal by which equality of opportunity is available to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. So on the birthday of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, I wanted to bring some of our best highlights to life once more from Everyone Talks to Liz, which, by the way, has now become the largest audio collection of American dream success stories to be found anywhere. Quite a few of the Sons of Liberty were immigrants, as you guys know. So as a tip of the hat to them, we've compiled some of the best stories we've been able to bring to you of today's immigrants grabbing the American dream with both fists. PayPal co-founder and a firm co-founder, Max Levchin, what a story. He immigrated from Soviet Ukraine back when he was a child, escaping the Chernobyl disaster, came here and ended up building two multi-billion dollar companies. I was born in Soviet Union, Ukraine is, that's what we call it today, uh, now that it's gained its independence. But uh, I was a uh, good Soviet boy uh, until the age of 16. I just turned 16 when my family landed in uh, JFK. Uh, And um, we left as refugees. So I I came to the US as a refugee. Um, And so, yeah, it it was a force a little strong in the sense that the Soviet Union authorities weren't exactly telling us to get out, but, uh, you know, uh, may have had a little bit to do with the fact that uh, anti-Semitism in Soviet Union was on a rapid rise as the country was slowly crumbling around us and uh, the Afghanistan war that Soviet Union did uh, uh, was coming to a rapid close with a, with a failure or, or defeat. So the, the whole place was sort of a, in, in a particularly dark moment and um, the precipitation or the, the, the event that triggered our attempt to escape was the uh, nuclear power station at Chernobyl that blew up about 90 miles north of where I was born. And uh, from that point on, my parents uh, were on the, uh, hey, we gotta, we gotta get out of here before we're buried under the radioactive cloud or quest. The founder and chairman of Kind, you guys know Kind Bars, right? Daniel Lubetsky immigrated from Mexico. His father had been a survivor of the Dachau concentration camps, had fled to Mexico, but then the family moved to the U.S. His father instilled in him so many incredible ideals, which helped him to become the billionaire snack king he is today. 
I grew up in Mexico City. I was uh, 15 and a half years old when I immigrated to America. I'm very, very blessed to be a U.S. citizen. My father, my story starts with my dad, who was liberated from the Holocaust, from the Dachau concentration camp by American soldiers. So I always have a very strong connection to the armed forces who saved my dad and had not been for the sacrifices of American heroes, I would not be here today. We got to give a tip of the hat to the founder of Zoom. I know you guys might be sick of (laughs) of dealing with Zoom, but Zoom has been all the craze with today's work from home world action. But even though you think you may know the app well, you need to know the story behind the web conferencing site. Zoom CEO and founder, Chinese immigrant Eric Yuan, tried getting a visa to the U.S. eight times, rejected eight times, but his persistence to get to the land of opportunity paid off in such a huge way. I was traveling in Tokyo in Japan uh, back in 1994 and uh, happened to be I joined one of the industry events. Bill Gates also was there to give a a talk about the internet. Bill Gates, right. Yeah, I was so impressed about his speech and I realized internet is going to change everything. So after back to China, every day I thought about what I can do, right, to join this uh, first wave of internet revolution. I was thinking about maybe an online bookstore. However, internet was too early. <laughs> back in- well, <laughs> Amazon had the same idea, I think, right? But uh, again, China was too early, and mm. I, I was not, you know, uh, thinking about, you know, to, to start an internet business at, in, at that time because it's too early in China. However, uh, like Yahoo or, or Netscape was so successful here in Silicon Valley, yeah. I, I really wanted to come here to join the first wave of Internet Revolution. And then you said, how do I go about doing this? So For you sure, had to apply, I need right? to, right? to get a visa. I thought of that very easy, right? Mm-hmm. To get a visa to come here to take a look. But uh, unfortunately, I got a decline. The first time I tried it eight times. Nice attempt. I was successful when I came here. Is already 1997. Oh, so ninth time was the charm. Didn't you feel at certain points like giving up? Some people, in fact, many people give up after the first no. Surely, a lot of people give up after the fourth, and by the seventh, forget it. It's just not going to work. What kept you? What was inside you that kept you pursuing and persisting? I think first of all, the good news was that I never thought about giving up. And I already told myself, I told my wife, hey, as long as they, they let, me, let me try, I will try maybe 20 times, 30 times, that's okay. And because I really you know, wanted to you know, come to Silicon Valley to embrace you know, the first wave of internet revolution. And uh, no matter how many, how many times, as long as they let me try, I, 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 I never thought about giving up. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who 
teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care. You can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. You guys can tell I love bringing you all of these American dream stories, but it's even better when I actually am friends with some of the true success stories. One of my dearest friends, she is the makeup guru of the world, Anastasia Soar of Anastasia Beverly Hills, fled from communist Romania without knowing a word of the language. She sat here in the U.S. with no money, watched Oprah on TV to learn the language, and then started a tiny brow waxing and shaping business. Her first brick and mortar store, once she got up and running, was in Beverly Hills. Everyone called her absolutely crazy. Yeah, crazy like a fox. Uh, By 94, I was working probably six days a week, 18 hours a day. And uh, on Sundays, I used to do house calls. And uh, I (laughs) save money. I save money. Because one day, one the lady that rented the room next to me was from Poland, Yolanda, and she came one day, November 16, I will never forget. And she said, oh, today's my birthday. And I said, Yolanda, you for how long you work here? And she said, 20 years. I'm turning 60 today. And I thought like, oh, my God. I, I, I cannot do this for 20 years. Still be my, I came here and I sacrificed so much for way more than this. So I said to myself that day, I'm going to go open a salon in Beverly Hills and I have, a, I'm going to make a product line. And this is what I did. I rented a, a room in, um, Be- I mean, a room. I rented a salon, 438 North Bedford, which is still today the salon. And um, it wasn't easy. The owner didn't want to rent the space for me because he thought that I would not be able to pay rent to doing eyebrows. And I had to spend two hours to convince John that um, is, uh, it's, I'm going to make it. And I, I, I always, my ultimate tool was, I'm a man immigrant. And I'm sure your, yourself, your parents, your grandparents were immigrants. Somebody gave them a chance. Please, please give me a chance. So um, he gave me a chance and it became an overnight success. And uh, then I started working on the makeup line. And the 2000, we launched in 20 Nordstrom's, the line. And it uh, from there in 2007, we launched in Sephora, Ulta, Macy's. Bloomingdale, Nordstrom, still all, we have brow studios as well, not only products, and uh, we are in 35 countries around the world. 
Another entrepreneur who fled the very same Romanian regime was Larry Gadea. He's the CEO and founder of Envoy. Larry was smuggled out of the country as a little baby. He found refuge in Canada. He then went on to become one of Google's youngest hires ever and one of Twitter's first employees. You got to hear this story. It was this communist government and it was right near the end, but it was kind of like you never really knew what was going to happen. So, yeah, my parents were super not cool with the situation and there's all this stuff going on internally and they really wanted to get out of there. So it was really interesting. I basically got to this point where I got they when you leave the country, even if it's for like a vacation or whatever, you need to kind of they had this policy that you could go vacation as long as you leave a child behind. Oh. And like I was that child that was allegedly left behind, but what little did uh, I guess everybody know they kind of put me in the backseat of this car, and then off we went on our way through multiple countries to Germany, which is where we were kind of temporarily, and then basically from there to Ottawa, Canada, which is where I grew up. Okay, sorry, I have to stop and and rewind the tape here. Now I know you were probably too young to remember, but what were your parents telling you? of the secret plan. I assume it was secret because the same with Russia, you were not allowed to leave. I mean, great, leave a child behind. They didn't check. And were you were you hiding? Did they have you sort of underneath the floor? It was like a hiding thing going on. Like, I mean, the, the point is that like they really, it's kind of these governments don't really want their people to all go. If your whole family goes, you're not coming back. And you're probably not going to be very positive about the, the communist regime, I guess. So basically... They, they wanted out. They wanted, they were very educated. They were, um, they kind of, my dad was working for, he was an engineer. He was working for like the local telephone company, like designing different switches and all that. My mom had like almost, I think it was like a master's in like biology. She was a school teacher teaching her that subject. And basically like they had it pretty good in terms of jobs, but they thought that, Hey, for me and my brother, there could have been a much better place. And, uh, and this started a whole process of uh, they, when they decided, and it's like, hey, let's go. And, and they did. My, my ancestors ended up in Canada as well. So Ottawa, why Canada? Uh, were there relatives? Was there an opportunity there for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, this was like, uh, what was this, uh, early 90s, late 80s, and, and COBOL, I guess COBOL is still back, but COBOL was a really big thing for the Canadian government. They needed people from anywhere in the world to help them with their, I guess, IBM mainframes. So my dad happened to know these things, and, and he, his experience was perfect for this. And, and he was, he applied there, they flew him in. He was only there on his own, probably for a good like two, three months while they did some sort of trial period. And then once they were good that he knows what he's talking about, they basically got visas for all the rest of us. And by the way, at this time we were in Germany and, and we had escaped from Romania. We went to Germany. My parents worked these jobs. My dad was like picking berries. My mom was like cleaning houses. And like, this is the kinds of jobs you do when you don't have papers to be in a country. Well, and then basically from there to Canada, uh, once uh, and legitimately that time. You know, we talk about these multi, multi-millionaire kids and these millennial billionaires who start these companies. Jay Chaudhary is an interesting case here. He's in his 60s. It took him a long time. He's the CEO and founder of Zscaler. Jay grew up in a tiny village in the Himalayas without any access to running water, electricity, or internet, but he studied in between shifts working on his parents' farm so he could get to the United States and go to grad school. Today, 
He runs a multi-billion dollar cybersecurity company he founded. Hear what he had to say about coming to America. I think of U.S. as such an amazing country. It's only in America that someone having born in a tiny farmhouse can actually do all these things. No other country offers anything like this. So looking back, right, my dad was a small-scale farmer. My mom helped her, helped him. Uh, neither of them could go to school because the school was too far away. So they wanted to make sure that I get good education. So I went to my little village school. It's hard to even imagine. I mean, we said we had a elementary school, five classes with two rooms, and three classes sat under the trees. We got electricity after I finished my eighth grade. We got running water after I finished my 10th grade. But my parents actually encouraged me to work hard, to study hard. I saw them working hard. So somehow I developed a lot of fascination and interest for learning, and I studied everything I could. So I became a very good student, and I got into IITs. Those are some of the best schools in India for engineering. And from there, like many Indians, they wanted to come to the U.S. for getting master's degree because U.S. had the best engineering degree programs for master's. And that took to the next to the next thing. Well, talk about that. I mean, it must have been slightly nerve wracking to leave, you know, your continent and come to the United States. What gave you the courage to do that? You know, I had a bigger shock to go from my tiny village to my IIT in India in a mm. big city, then actually coming from there to the U.S., the, the gap between my village and IIT was much bigger. Once I got to the IIT, there's so many students who knew about U.S. We, we knew many friends have gone there. We knew the best education can be had there. So also, I've been fairly how should I say, risk taker from early on. I did not realize that I could take risks for business because there's no entrepreneurship background in my family. They were simply farmers. But I always tried adventure and new things. So coming to America for higher education was kind of learning and adventure. So was I nervous about it? Not really. I was looking forward to a new world. And I read so much about America. I, I love the country. In my early days, first time I watched America landing on the moon in 69. So all those things fascinated me. And last week, absolutely incredible. We spoke with the amazing Marlo Hernandez, CEO and founder of Cano Health. As a child, his parents fled Cuba's communist regime to South Florida, where he continued in his family's footsteps to become the seventh generation doctor. He took quite a leap and hundreds of thousands of personal debt while in medical school to launch a medical chain set to help those without the means to pay for their own health care. And they just went public a few weeks ago. From Miami immigrant to medical mogul, you have to hear Marlo's story of coming to the U.S. as a child. I was born in Cienfuegos, Cuba. It's a poor town. And by the way, I've got to say, there was a disadvantage to coming to the country and being a refugee and having to learn a new language and having no guidance in 
this country and, and no monetary resources. But I've got to tell you about Cuba. I have very fond memories of growing up because I had a great loving family who gave me everything they could and taught me the moral principles and ethos of hard work that I carry to this day. They pushed me to dream big, to work hard, to excel at everything I did. Uh, but uh, sure, uh, there was a lot of challenge uh, coming to the country, but even more of an opportunity. As you know, Cuba is a cool communist dictatorship. The government has managed to ruin a once thriving country over a couple of generations. There is no liberty, there is no hope. Uh, you generally cannot leave the island. The currency is not worth the papers printed on. But the United States, a U.S. passport, that is one of the greatest blessings someone can have. So coming here and into the country, I was just wide-eyed, incredibly impressed um, by the opportunity of the country, by electricity, by running water, by ACs in the school, the fact that there was an edible lunch, that the fact that there was no rationing, and that I can speak my mind and I can learn of any subject with no restriction. So I think my childhood was an advantage, not a disadvantage compared to many. So if you're thinking, why can't I find success? Look and listen to these amazing stories of people who came here with such a deficit, a language deficit, a financial deficit, and they scratched out the American dream. You can too. I'll see you next time on Everyone Talks to Liz. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.